We are in the unfortunate but necessary position of needing to protect Aucklanders once again. That is why Cabinet met this evening and made the decision that Auckland will need to move to Alert Level 3 for a period of seven days. You just think, oh, not again, not again. Everything comes to a standstill again. We're not just locked in, we're locked out of meaningful face-to-face interactions as well. Kia ora, I'm Jessie Chang and today on The Detail, the impact of loneliness. There's a predictor of depression, it can lead, predict clinical dementia, it can lead to paranoia and it sometimes it be a trigger of addiction. Especially during the age of COVID-19. We like to hug and embrace, we shake hands, we kiss people. That's the natural introduction you'd have to someone of Pacific heritage. And so having that, in a way, taken away from you, that's really hard on many of our families. A lockdown survey last year by Loneliness New Zealand revealed that feelings of alienation and being alone increased for a wide range of groups, hitting youth, solo parents and the unemployed particularly hard. But this isn't something new. In 2018, StatsNZ found that more than 16% of Kiwis over the age of 15 felt lonely at least some of the time within a four-week period. And this isn't just a New Zealand issue. The UK appointed a Minister for Loneliness in 2018, and last week, Japan followed suit. Spencer Schooler is a trustee of Loneliness New Zealand, an organisation dedicated to supporting people through loneliness. Loneliness is akin to thirst or hunger. It's an evolved response where hunger makes us eat and thirst makes us drink. As a social species, to survive in the past, we've had to work as groups. So if we're drifting out of our social group, loneliness helps us reconnect. Because if we don't reconnect to that social group, we would have um, not survived. So it's a a strong, evolved response um, that's very deep in all of us. And therefore, that's why it's across all cultures. And how does loneliness feed into other problems in society? So... Firstly, there's two types of loneliness. Well, there's lots, but let's call it two types. There's those who, like all of us, who have fleeting loneliness or transient loneliness, where we're all lonely at a time. And it comes and goes, and it's occasional. But the problem is fundamentally, and the health problems of those who have prolonged loneliness, who begin to spiral they can't get out of. They're the ones who need help. And that's where it can be hard because they actually they have a tendency to push people away. They're tr- desperately trying to connect with people and in the process trying to connect, they actually push people away and end up desperately lonely. So academic research says it's a predictor of depression. It can lead, predict clinical dementia. It can lead to paranoia. And sometimes it'd be a trigger of addiction. So you've got those kind of connections to mental health issues. And loneliness is more often precedes mental health issues than mental health issues precede loneliness. So it can be potentially used, this is something we're discussing with the um, Mental Health and Wellbeing Commission, as an early warning system or a way of targeting early to to reduce the pressure on the um, mental health system. At a more general level, if you think more broadly, of loneliness as the opposite of having good social connections and meaningful relationships across all our life, then if, if we had poor social connections and lack of meaningful relationships, then this leads to more general issues in society like family violence, uh, potentially suicide because we're not discussing problems in a healthy way, potentially bullying because we're not uh, able to act in a constructive way, 
these things are more likely, I believe, uh, they have to be proven, but I believe uh, more likely these issues would arise. So how do you think COVID has impacted the way that we view loneliness? I think it's certainly brought it to the fore and there's a greater recognition that it could, you know, it's a potential problem society. This is something that's been building for about 10 years, the awareness of, that, uh, of loneliness and, and around the globe, it's, it's certainly increasing awareness. So I think it's been a, a great uh, increase in awareness, but there's still a lot more work to be done to go beyond the initial focus on social isolation and actually address loneliness, which is a completely uh, different phenomenon again, and, and how to help people through that. Last year, um, we did a report after the first lockdown, level four lockdown, on prolonged loneliness, which is loneliness where people are lonely most or all the time. At the time, we found very high levels of loneliness, especially among youth aged 15 to 24, sole parents and unemployed. We expect that there will be same type of loneliness in the same groups. So we can see over time that it's usually the same groups that are vulnerable to loneliness. So we expect similar groups to be lonely. At the same time, there are different circumstances here, which means that while we expect there to be more loneliness, we don't necessarily expect to be quite so high. And some of the reasons for that are hopefully this lockdown is going to be shorter in time. Uh, there's greater certainty in terms of there's an end date, even though it may get extended, but unlikely. Um, there's more acceptance of the new norm, if you like. And we are operating at level three rather than level four, which means there's more people who still can continue with their employment and that type of thing. However, on the negative side, um, that may increase loneliness a little bit. The mood of the nation is more negative now than it was 12 months ago. And what that means is that people have less mind space to actually reach out and connect to others uh, during this time. So that will um, slightly increase loneliness. But overall, we expect there to be higher levels of loneliness, but maybe not so great as was experienced in Level 4 lockdown last year. But not everyone agrees that Level 3 is better than Level 4. It was so drastic that... We just, we were all in this together. I think that was the really strong feeling that came across. We're all in this together and everybody did look out for each other. I used to get more telephone calls from my family in level four lockdown than I ever did normally. It was really noticeable and I really appreciated that. That just meant such a lot to me. Um, But it's, we are so into the, oh, not again phase now. Claire Russell is our producer Alexia's mum and part of her bubble, so it's okay to visit. Hi, mum. What's you up to? Oh, not a lot, unfortunately. Claire lives by herself and usually has a busy, active life, volunteering for the Citizens Advice Bureau, going to exercise classes and being involved in church life. That's all stopped. I can't do any of that during lockdown, no. It just all just all shuts down. When you hear that Jacinda Ardern's called a press conference at 9pm on a Saturday. Oh, you just think, oh, not again, not again. And the first thing I do is look up at my diary and say, oh, so I won't be going to that. Oh, so that'll be cancelled. Oh, I'll bet that becomes a Zoom meeting, and I hate Zoom meetings. I hate them with a vengeance. <laughs> and you just... Everything that you are going to do that's your normal, that just keeps you ticking over, it's just, you might as well pull a rug out from under your feet, really. It's mm. just, it just all goes. Do, in I mean, a flash. do you ever have a day where you wouldn't speak to anybody? Yes, I do. Yes. 
not all that often. And I know if I complain to my family, they'll say, you know how to ring mum. But I'm also aware that they've got busy lives and I don't just pick up the phone and ring to say, oh, hi, was feeling a bit lonely, so I thought I'd give you a ring. <laughs> there was some confusion about whether we, what level we were in at lockdown after the nine o'clock announcement on Saturday. There were a couple of churches that still planned to meet and went to meet only to find out at the door that the church wasn't open and that they had moved to an online service. That's Ifeso Collins, an Auckland councillor for the Monaco Ward. He stresses that church is very important to Pacifica families in South Auckland and when they aren't able to meet together, it's a big deal. Anyone who's looked at the census data will know that whilst there's been a subtle decline in church attendance for Pacific communities, I think we're sitting at close to 80% of our people attend church or attend a Christian denomination. And so it's real evidence that the church base in New Zealand is pretty much built on Pacific people. And that's why it's so important. As a Samoan, we, we have a saying, a, a base in Samoa, which says, Samoa, which means that Samoa is founded on God. And it's actually the cornerstone of the Samoan constitution. So I think it will give people a very clear idea of just how important Christianity, church, spirituality is to Pacific people. And then you transfer that to New Zealand where my parents and their parents' generation came, and it was just as important for us here in New Zealand. So that's how important church is. So then what is the impact of not being able to meet together physically? And I mean, you know, we've been through quite a few lockdowns already here in Auckland. So what has the effect been? I think slowly we've all adapted really well to online services because in many ways we're looking for a way to stay connected. One of the things that the church definitely did in the in the 60s uh, when my parents' generation came to New Zealand was it provided a place for them to continue to meet, to fellowship. It acted as the language maintenance hub because it was your home or the church where you would predominantly speak your first language outside of that at work and at school you were speaking English. Fast forward that to today, there's been real challenges with people's inability to stay connected physically. Many will know that uh, Pacific people, and this is probably a huge generalisation, but we are naturally physically connected. We like to hug and embrace. We shake hands. We kiss people. That's the natural introduction you'd have to someone of Pacific heritage. And so having that in a way taken away from you means that you've had to adjust. And that's difficult because naturally there's something special about human touch. There's something about the human condition that means people want to be closely connected and feel people very near them. So it's been difficult for our communities. And there was real disappointment and probably sadness for many people who attended church on Sunday thinking that it was okay to because they couldn't have that human interaction, that human closeness. So it's been a, a tough transition for many. Yeah, and, and does that contribute to a lot of loneliness? 
Yeah, it does. It, it creates a kind of isolation where your family unit becomes the single unit that you're working off. And our people love to host. Our people love to be engaged with one another, which is why church is so good. You think of the number of churches that will have their services and then they'll stay for a cup of tea or in our case, uh, lots of taro and corned beef to sit around and eat. And often those uh, times together of fellowship go on longer than the than the one hour or the 90 minute church service you'll often have people there for most of the afternoon and then they'll hang around in time for the three o'clock choir practice or six o'clock evening service so it's been difficult to not be able to stay together and i i've missed it Personally, I think I'm I'm home with my family and my girls love to go to Sunday school. They love to interact with the children who are at Sunday school. It's a different experience online. People look forward to that meeting of one another. People look forward to the youth group coming together where you're singing, playing games, catching up on what's happening at school, who likes somebody at school, who's got a crush on somebody. All of the things that you and I take for granted when we're talking to people, that's what gets lost when you're unable to connect. And that's really hard on many of our families. My mum is a widow, and so they have a a mum's group for the widows in the church who get together as well and often one of the things that they do is they all catch the bus somewhere because they are able to enjoy free transport uh, public transport and they will meet somewhere and stay connected to one another and that's something that's lost in this process as well so you'll understand that it's difficult for our people because you can't just kind of roll up anywhere and start talking in Samoan and having a really good conversation about what's happening in the village unless you're with people who understand those cultural nuances and that's what church provides. South Auckland is the centre of attention with this latest cluster of COVID-19. The news has been greeted with trepidation in South Auckland. Testing stations were soon swamped. Auckland is back in lockdown for the fourth time in a year and people here in Ōtara are angry. Two of the region's newest cases broke level three restrictions by visiting another family in the growing Papa Toy Toy cluster. If people just follow the rules, then we wouldn't be in this situation. Yeah, a bit brushed off because um, uh, you're trying to follow the rules and somebody's trying to uh, go around the rules. Last weekend, there was definitely a level of frustration in the community. People are trying their best out here. One of the things that people might not see when you're looking into South Auckland is just how tough people are doing it. When people can't interact at church where they find a sense of solace and refuge and connection, they're not going to work, so they're fearful that they're not going to have enough money coming into the house. Our health services, our mental health services are stretched. And many of us are living in houses where there's not enough space for all the kids to be on devices, if there's even enough devices in the house. And so those are the major stresses that are going on with our families, which makes the lockdown all the more difficult. And if you're challenged financially and with having enough food in the house, you can depend on a number of schools locally who run breakfast programs or lunch programs. Those are the realities of being in South Auckland, that there is never enough and that people are doing everything they can to get by on shoestring budgets that that feel like they're being cut 
all the time. And if you've been transient through school and you're stressed in the house because it might be your family and another family and everyone is being asked to stay in that bubble, it is really, very, really tense. And that's our reality. And our job is to provide a way for people to, to reach out, to stay connected, to talk on Messenger, or on Viber, just so that they know that there's people out there who are thinking of them and going through similar experiences. But isolation due to COVID-19 is a global issue. Japan's move to appoint a minister for loneliness was aimed at tackling rising suicide rates. It's got so bad there that in October last year, there were more deaths from suicide than COVID-19. And in 2018, before the pandemic, loneliness was already a big issue in the UK. The British Prime Minister appointed a Minister of Loneliness today. The new role will tackle solitude in the UK, where more than one in ten people feel isolated. Spencer Schooler says the UK is making far more progress on combating loneliness than we are. In the UK, it's more than just simply a Minister for for Loneliness. There was a whole package of things that led to where they've got to and how they've been able to proceed so well. First, they had a commission on loneliness, and out of that, there was the recommendations of having a minister, to, a lead minister for loneliness, which they've got. But there was also uh, the development of a national strategy for loneliness, which they've developed strategies both for England, Wales, and Scotland. They've also have the government centrally reporting annually to Parliament on their progress reducing loneliness. They've, they've had their first annual report on loneliness released, and they're currently um, completing a government inquiry parliamentary inquiry on loneliness and what they should do next. So there's a whole momentum across across the uh, political divide to address loneliness in the UK. And similarly, when we come to Japan, even though it's only um, announced last week, yes, they've announced a Minister for Loneliness, but they've also already created a package of uh, initiatives around that. They're creating a isolation loneliness countermeasure office with a task force to address the problem, again, across ministries, which is why you have this role and they're already looking to hold emergency forums um, with advocacy groups and other players to identify what are the priorities uh, to address the loneliness problem in Japan. You know, like hearing all, all this work and all these strategy and plans that they've put forward, one can't help but think, is it all just plans? Like, where is the real tangible results of how it's actually reduced loneliness? Well, they're starting from um, ground zero. So in, in the UK... They even had to start making sure they got the correct measures in place for loneliness. Their first annual report in the UK said, yes, they're either on track to deliver all their uh, parts of their initial strategy. So that's all heading. Now they're sitting down and saying, OK, we've done all this work. The department's required to send us more details around, well, how do we really get to the nitty gritty of making, making a difference here? So they've done, they've done the high level conceptual parts and they've delivered those with some specific you know, messaging campaigns, major messaging campaigns in the UK. Um, the profile of it has been clearly articulated that it's not a loneliness, it's not a problem only for seniors, it's actually a society problem across all age groups and all demographics and they're working uh, intensively to build on that. And, and so clearly this is a global issue spanning across all cultures so do you think that in New Zealand we need to be looking at something like this? We, we need to think about why well, Why would we address loneliness? I'll, I'll take a step back. And the first thing is that if you look at well-being, which is you know, the, what the government's priority was in the last term, then there's three primary drivers of well-being if you measure it by something called life satisfaction, which is a way of quantifying it. And the first one is 
you need to have good health. The second one is you need to have enough income to get by. And the third primary driver of well-being is not feeling lonely or alternately having you know, meaningful social connections. So they're the three drivers. They're above things like employment and housing. Um, they, they stand out and New Zealand data is uh, done by Stats NZ analysis is showing that as well. So when we look at how we spend our money as a country, as a government, we invest in all these other areas and drivers, but the one we virtually invest nothing in is loan, addressing loneliness and reducing loneliness. So if you want to have the low-hanging fruit to address well-being and improving well-being across the country, then uh, loneliness is, is one option to clearly focus on that. And certainly we've raised that with the government as um, maybe there needs more focus here. And if you had a minister for loneliness, I'm not saying, or a minister, it doesn't have to be a minister, it could be a lead with a package around it that can coordinate across government, then that's that's one way forward. What has the government's response been to suggestions that we need to address loneliness more? Certainly, uh, the Prime Minister wrote back to us um, in response to our suggestions and we're you know, going to take things on board as they go forward. So I've got no negativity there. It's just, just the momentum they had in the first um, term in terms of addressing well-being and therefore it impacts loneliness. Um, it's, it's how you continue that momentum when they, you know, now focusing on specific activities. Not, nothing wrong with the way they're focusing on, but it's just how you also uh, keep the big picture as well. And loneliness is part of that big picture in terms of improving well-being. I I know I'm lucky, but it still doesn't <laughs> stop me feeling quite down sometimes. Yeah, I'm very aware that I live on my own. But uh, it's, it's life and feeling sorry for myself won't make things any better. But yes, I, I dread it now. I, I'm, I really do. That's it for today. I'm Jessie Chang. The detail is brought to you by newsroom.co.nz and made possible by RNZ and NZ On Air. You can get us downloaded free to your mobile device every weekday from any podcast platform. And if you're using Apple, please leave us a rating so others can find us too. Today's episode was engineered by Rangi Poick and produced by Alexia Russell. And thanks to Claire Russell, Fessel Collins and Spencer Schooler. Mate wa. Mm-hmm.